episode three in our series on marriage. Remember that Satan caused Eve to question the Word of God. I continually remind myself what the Bible says it means and what it means it says. I don't have to understand everything, but I am supposed to obey every command that I see. And Eve listened to the wrong voice and would not move away from the fruit she was forbidden to eat. We should all be warned, move away from forbidden things. You stand and look at it, and then in your mind you reason, it's not so bad. I know God said that, but everybody else is doing it. After all, this is a new day. We live in a new culture. We live in a new world. That thinking is devastating, and it will destroy a person, relationships, and eventually a nation. They felt guilty immediately because they were naked. Before they ate the fruit, they only knew good. God didn't want us to grow up in the midst of evil, but he gave us a free will, and we have a right to choose. And that's a great gift from God. He wants us to choose to obey, not disobey. But they found themselves naked and, and guilty, and they were ashamed. And that's what happens when we disobey God. I hope, I hope we all feel ashamed and sad. And so they did what we always do. They tried to cover up their disobedience with their own good works. And they took fig leaves and they made a, a covering for them. And then God was walking in the garden and they heard his voice and they were ashamed. And he said, who told you you were naked? He didn't have to ask them that. He knew who told them that they were naked. And then he said he would put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. They would always be at war with each other. And then he said to the woman, I'll multiply your sorrow in childbirth. Apparently before this happened, it wasn't painful to have a baby. If you've ever had a baby without any medication, it is very painful. And to Adam, he said, you'll have to work really hard to provide for your family. I had given you the garden. It would have been easy. But now you've disobeyed me. You'll have to labor. To the serpent, you will crawl on your belly from this point on. And then Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And then Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 21, is the first mention of the death of Jesus Christ. An animal had to be killed. You had to kill it to take the skins from it. And God killed an animal, took the skin, and clothed the, the Adam and Eve in the skins of an animal. That is the first blood sacrifice to cover the sins of mankind. 
And then he said, because you have come, become one of us, you now know good and evil to keep you from eating from the tree of life, which means you never die and live forever. God sent them out of the garden to till the ground. He drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims with a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way, them from the way of the tree of life. God did not want man to live in that state forever. And so he took him out of this wonderful place, but he made preparations for him. And now let's flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. We see that God has done the same thing for us. We're all born sinners. We don't become sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's our old human nature. And so when two people get married, and God says, the two of you shall become one, apart from the power and grace of God, that is a real difficult job. Because man by nature is selfish. And man, by nature, wants his own way. And as I've said before, Sam and I married, we knew we were to become one. But we didn't know which one to become. I wanted it done my way. Sam wanted it done his way. But we never fought. Because he wouldn't fight. And that was devastating to me. He's the quiet man who stuffs his feelings. I'm the loud woman who expresses hers. I would express my anger and, and impatience with him, and he would clam up. And when he clammed up, it just made me more angry. I couldn't remember thinking, if we can't fight this out, I will explode. But it was so painful for him to, to get into a conflicting conversation. He would never want to argue. He, he ran away from conflict, and I almost ran to it. It was a good thing that God brought us together because we were so different. And as for him, there are times you have to talk about it. And we finally worked through that where he realized, even though it was painful, you have to talk about the things that distress you. And me, I had to learn to shut up. I had to learn to at least be loving and kind and patient when we talked and not be so hard and cold and offensive. But we could only do that after we were clothed in the righteousness of God as Adam and Eve were clothed one day in 1964, September the 4th. At home in my room, I invited Jesus Christ to come into my life. Sam, in his car on his way to his office, invited Jesus Christ to come into his life. We didn't know what had happened to us, but now I look back and see that at that moment, Christ came in and we were clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it was at that point in time that we had the, the resources to make the marriage that God desired for us to have. And I want to remind you, we've already studied Ephesians, but I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and pick up in verse 17 
where it says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is the same for every person alive. It is to be controlled or filled with the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. That's the third person of the Trinity. He actually takes up residence and lives in us. And he has two jobs. One, well, he has more than two, but one is to reveal the truth in God's word to us. Before the Holy Spirit comes into us, it's almost like a foreign language. It just doesn't make any sense. But once the Spirit comes in, He wrote it, and He can help us to understand it. And the second thing of importance that He does in my life, and He will do in your life, is convict you of sin. When you act in a way that's displeasing to God, the Holy Spirit will let you know it. You'll all of a sudden realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have said it that way. I should pay attention to what goes on in my heart before I speak. And he says, when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you will speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know what that means? That means you have a song in your heart. What a wonderful experience for a man to come home after a hard day's work and find his wife, who's also had a hard day's work, but she has a song in her heart. And how exciting for the wife to look forward to hearing the husband drive into the driveway because he will have a song in his heart. He may have had a hard day at the office, as she may have had a hard day at home, but when the Holy Spirit controls you, he puts a song in your heart and then it says you are giving thanks always. Instead of complaining and being angry because Sam refused to fight with me verbally, I turned to a new way of life. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for a man who is kind and tenderhearted and gentle. And thank you that you will give me the power to be the loving wife I need to be. And we begin to thank God for the differences in each other. Because Sam had to learn to talk, and I had to learn to be quiet. And we thanked God for bringing us together. And then the second thing that happens when the Holy Spirit is in control of you, you just cooperate with other people. You don't just have to have your way all the time. You may want it all the time. But you don't have to have it to have a song in your heart and a thankful attitude. You can trust God that he's working in you to perfect you and to fulfill his purpose for you, which is to conform you to the image of his son. Now, once those verses have been understood, we enter into the section on marriage in Ephesians. It's not fair to tell people to work on your marriage when you don't have the power to do so. So he says, with a song in your heart, with a thankful attitude, a cooperative spirit, 
Then he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. Submit yourself to your own husbands. Isn't it funny that he says your own husband? You're not to submit yourself to somebody else's husband or to some other man. And what does it mean to submit yourself? It means to make a commitment. For what? To become one with this man. To work with him and work through the differences and work through the hard times and work through the periods of impatience. You're committed. I believe today some young people go into marriage thinking if it doesn't work out, so what? We'll just get a divorce. And now there are ads on the radio. I can't believe it. I hear it in my car. Divorce lawyers giving instructions to men. Don't move out of your house, sir. That house is yours. Be sure you take care of all your finances. Giving instructions how to proceed to get a divorce. How wrong is that? Wives, submit yourself to this man that you made a commitment to. Oh, sure, there'll be hard times, but the hard times make you strong. And then what is the husband to do? It says the husband is the head of the wife. Now remember where the wife came from, his side, not his head, and not his feet. And if you go back and research the word head, it means the source. God, the husband is to be the source of all the wife needs to perform her duties in the home. Men are to provide the needs of their, their, their wife, not necessarily the greeds. I know many marriages that ended in divorce because of greed. But the husband is the source, as Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body. Christ, as our provider, will provide us all that we need emotionally and, I believe, materially to be the people he created us to be. Therefore, as this church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And in this day and age, we're told that women are to be equal to the husband. And they are in the sight of God. But clearly in here, the man is to be the provider and the woman is to be the submitter. The man doesn't run over her. He, she didn't come from his feet. He's not to rule over her. She didn't come from his head. They ought to walk side by side and work together. And then verse 25, Sam always said that, that the husband has the hardest job. With the women's lib movement that we have to live in, they really think it's absurd to say that a woman should submit to her husband. But look what the husband is supposed to do. The husband is supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's why Sam said, 
the husband has the hardest job. Jesus Christ was willing and did give up his life for the church. Husbands are to love their wives that much. And in conclusion of this segment, if a husband loves a woman that much, it's so much easier for the woman to submit. If the woman submits, it makes it so easy for the husband to love. God's way is perfect. Man's way gets us in trouble. Thank you for listening. Share with a friend, and God bless you.